in the hobby. It's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking that we could pull, I don't know, Hall of Famer. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com. The only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. There is nothing more fun than opening an Arena Club slab pack. I mean, it is so much better than any mystery pack that I've ever purchased because there is a focus on transparency. There is a display of available cards. There are hit rates you can get. When you're graded, you're given a rationale. It is the marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, and displaying. Arena Club Slab Packs are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your pulls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling. You can have them officially graded by Arena Club. The Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent, with a full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. Whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform you have to check out. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash badmoney. Wow, that's a crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack, that's $40 right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash badmoney for 10% off your first purchase. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. You got problems that you ought to be concerned with. Hoo-ah! You don't know how you're supposed to earn it, or what to do with it, or how to keep it. You're a freak with a dark, shameful secret. But you're not the only one. Get your hidden financial fears with a blast of sun. Now your healing has begun. It's bad with money with Gabe S. Done. Hello and welcome to Bad With Money, a show about finances and feelings where we don't talk down to you. And we're about to not talk down to you even more because we have Elise Fulmore here, who is a queer neurodivergent financial educator, content creator, and soon to be published author. Hello. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you. Your videos are so fun on Instagram. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. I love creating videos. They're so fun to do. So you're the founder of Queered Co. Do you want to explain what that is? Yeah, so it's a financial literacy platform. And how I came up with the name was like the word queer has multiple meanings. Obviously, it can re- like refer to the queer community, but it also historically has referred to people who are considered weird mm-hmm. or abnormal by society. And so I felt like that really encompassed who my audience is and who I am is just like someone who I felt because of like my neurodivergency and because of being queer, I just have kind of felt like. I didn't fit in certain spaces and that's kind of who I speak to through my content and through my business. So it's not a business specifically for queer people, but of course (laughs) it's welcoming to queer people, but it's just kind of, you know, everyone who feels a little bit weird and doesn't feel like the traditional finance 
ed- education and advice is speaking to them. That's what Queered Co. is for. <laughs> I saw a really, I was going through your Instagram. I'm going to sound like a stalker, but I saw a really moving highlight, I think, of you talking about your ADHD diagnosis. So I was wondering if you could talk about that and about like how that came about and how that worked into your understanding of finances. Yeah. So I had actually started my business before I was diagnosed with ADHD. So I was already seeing progress with my own finances and like figuring that out. But there were still a lot of things that I was struggling with. Specifically, impulse spending was a big one. Mm -hmm. And I had recently graduated from university and I was running my business on my own. Pandemic hit. I was suddenly at home all the time. And that's when I really started struggling. I could not stick to a schedule. I couldn't plan things for myself. I wasn't taking care of myself. I wasn't eating because I just would forget (laughs) to eat all day and things like that. And I had been seeking out some answers for probably four years prior because I've always had really bad sleep issues. I've had brain fog, like daytime fatigue and things like that. So I had been sent for sleep studies. I had been getting blood tests. I had been doing all these things. And then I got on TikTok in 2020, as many people did. And I started seeing videos about people with ADHD and how it was affecting them. And specifically like women with ADHD and adults with ADHD talking about their experience, like getting diagnosed later in life Mm -hmm. and how things show up differently for them than the kind of stereotypical view that a lot of people have about ADHD. Mm -hmm. And that was my perception of it too. I, I thought that it was like the really hyperactive person who can't sit still and can't focus in class. And I you know, got good grades. I didn't struggle in school. So I felt like, oh, that can't be me. And then as I learned more about it, I was like, I think, (laughs) I think this is definitely me. (laughs) And so I went down my own kind of route of like diving into research, learning more about it. And I was very confident when I went to my doctor, I was like, I am 99.9% sure (laughs) I have ADHD. So can we now do some tests? Can we, can I get diagnosed? And then after that diagnosis was a lot of relief because I felt like there were so many things that I felt a lot of guilt and shame around, and that really tied into money as well with the impulse spending, with the inability to stick to a budget, forgetting to pay bills, forgetting about groceries in my fridge until they rotted and things like that. And so, yeah, I feel like I'm still kind of on that journey of like making connections about how much it's affected my life, but that completely changed the way that I approach finances because I realized that all of these aspects of ADHD were actually having a really big impact on my ability to manage money. And that I feel like is a lot of where Queered Co. stemmed from. And like my content shifted a lot at that time to focus more on identity and money and how like who you are and your trauma and your childhood and your upbringing, your culture and your mental health and all of these things have a bigger impact on your money than like number manipulation ever will. And yeah, now here we are. (laughs) It's it's hard because so much of the stuff that has to do with money is actively antithetical, like antithetical to ADHD. And also like I'm autistic. And so like it's antithetical to that where it's just like, well, you just have to fill out all these forms. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'll just fill out all the forms then. Like you just have to read a bunch of stuff. Oh, okay, I'll do that. Like it's very you just have to call and interface with a person. Oh, okay. Cool. No problem. Easy. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's like not built for anyone who has any sort of, it gets overwhelmed by, by anything. Yeah. 
And it's so boring. Like, I feel like so many of the things to follow, it's just, it's mind-numbingly boring for me. And so like the, just make a budget and then just stick to it. I'm like, I get bored in three days. Like it's exciting when I'm making it and then I'm over it. Yeah, I know. I just, when you were talking about other ways that it had affected you other than like impulse spending and stuff, like are there other things that you have seen from talking to, maybe not just from your experiences, but from talking to other ADHD people, like stuff that has come up for them frequently? Yeah, there's so many things because ADHD impacts your executive function, Mm -hmm. as does autism. And that really impacts your ability to plan, schedule, think ahead, like manage your time, like all of those things. So like a common one is if you, if someone works like a nine to five, they, you know, will be really rushed in the morning before they go to work. And lots of times that involves like, you know, forgetting to pack a lunch or not packing a lunch, which means that they're then buying out lunch every day or not having time to make coffee at home when they want to make coffee at home. So then they're like grabbing a coffee on the way to work, which like isn't a big deal. But when you're when it happens every day and if you are like in a tight financial situation, that can obviously have a big impact. Groceries is a big one, like forgetting to grocery shop or just having like a struggle with planning out your groceries and like meals for the week. So then food goes bad and we all know how expensive groceries are right now. So that can have a big impact of like you're not eating enough or food is going bad. And then there's a lot of money that isn't being used the way you want to because you're not able to eat that food. So that's a big one. Planning for long-term goals is challenging for a lot of people. So like it's, for people with ADHD, that immediate reward, immediate gratification, I mean, for a lot of people without too, is like it overpowers in almost every instance in terms of like their brain is always going to want to do that instead of the delayed gratification. So thinking like, I'm just going to save this money for retirement. I'm just going to save this money for the future. It's like, that's a lot harder because you just want the dopamine hit right away and you want to like spend it on stuff right away where you can see what the outcome is going to be. I don't know if this is like, I feel like this is just a a kind of neurodivergent thing in general. I know something that I struggle with is like the concept of money doesn't feel real to me. It doesn't feel like tangible. So that's hard like to just visualize like numbers in a bank account, like what that actually means and what that money can actually buy and like things like that. Um, The value of money is hard for me to conceptualize sometimes. Those would be some things. And then like forgetfulness and just like forgetting Forgetting to pay bills, forgetting to call and cancel appointments, forgetting to do your taxes, a lot of like ADHD tax things where you just pay more because of certain things. Like I got a parking ticket the other day and I shouldn't have got a parking ticket because I was in a zone where I could have, I could park. And it, it's a $40 parking ticket that I really should fight <laughs> because I shouldn't have got it. And it's $40, but like, I'm just going to pay it probably because the effort involved in me, like remembering to like show up somewhere on a specific day. And then like all of that, it's just like, I'll know I, I will forget. And then I'll end up paying three times the ticket price because it's been like six months and, you know, things like that, they just add up. So yeah, I feel like it's like basically every aspect of your life. And that obviously spills over into money as well.
Managing my finances is incredibly stressful and time consuming. I'm sure you guys know you've been with me on this journey. You know how many finance apps I've tried. You know how much they haven't worked for me. And I'm always on the hunt for a finance app that fits my life. And then I tried Monarch. It is so easy to use with powerful features, collaboration tools, intuitive design, personalization, constant product improvements. I really value an app that allows me to do all of this without confusion. And especially important to me is intuitive design and the ability to personalize because clearly finance is not one size fits all. Did you know that money issues are a leading cause of divorce? Monarch, the top rated personal finance app, also has built-in collaboration features so you can invite your partner at no extra cost. Together, you can see all your finances, collaborate on your budget, and get insights on your cash flow and recurring transactions. It's the easiest way to manage your household finances. Are you saving for a down payment, a wedding, a dream vacation? Monarch makes it so easy to help you reach your financial goals. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Have you been frustrated with personal finance apps that are cluttered with ads, difficult to use, rarely updated? So was Monarch. They built a new kind of personal finance app that's intuitive and powerful and ad-free and constantly improving based on customer feedback. Experience a personal finance app that prioritizes the user experience above all else. Monarch is the top-rated, all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash badmoney. Unlike other personal finance apps, Monarch's simple intuitive design makes it so easy to set up, customize, and use. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. Change the layout of your dashboard, toggle between light and dark mode, create custom budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions and notifications, and more. Plus, there's ad-free privacy you can trust. We will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash badmoney. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash badmoney for your extended 30-day free trial. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math and see how you'll profit with NetSuite. Everything is more expensive these days when you're running a business, and you would be wise to find proven ways to cut costs and boost performance at the same time. The fact that you are able to reduce your IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud is incredible. And the ability to access your cloud financial system from anywhere saves you so much time and stress. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash badwithmoney. netsuite.com slash badwithmoney. netsuite.com slash badwithmoney. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a new candidate isn't to search at all. 
Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy. It would be so much easier if I was looking for someone to help me with sweetening audio or let's say someone to run my merch shop or all the little things that go into running a podcast. Usually something like that would be so slow and overwhelming. And honestly, I wish I had used Indeed and I will use Indeed in the future. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash badwithmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash badwithmoney right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash badwithmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. There's two things there. One is the inability to think of money as real, I feel like is also a queer thing because you're like, what? We live in a, in, in a society that hates us. Everything is bonkers. Like I'm supposed to plan for the future. I'm going to like be the, who even knows what the government will let me do. Like it's this very like what even is real like kind of mentality that I think is also queer. And then two, I wanted to, I was going to get to the ADHD tax, which I feel like I'm really trying to unlearn, which is funny because my, my boyfriend does have ADHD, but he, he is very into not losing money. So like things like that, he would fight it. Or with me, I bought some shirts for a wedding, ended up like, oh, I'm not going to use these shirts. They were like 60 bucks at ASOS. He was like, return them. And I was like, return them. Are you insane? And he was like, just go. And I went and I returned them. And then I was like, oh, this is kind of nice. I got my 60 bucks back, which I need. So I was like, okay, I see what is happening here. And there's like, I think a, a helplessness or a hopelessness where you're like holding the item and you're like, oh, I have to go all the way back to the thing. And to, and like, then it's going to be the middle of the day. And then what am I going to do the rest of the day? And like, now I'm going to be exhausted from talking to this salesperson uh, like it is. So can you talk a bit more about the ADHD tax? Yeah. So essentially it is like the extra money that people with ADHD pay because they have ADHD. So it can show up in a lot of different ways. Like a lot of the examples I gave already are the ADHD tax. Like your, your groceries going bad in the fridge, like you're going to pay extra money for more groceries that you wouldn't have needed if the groceries hadn't gone bad. Um, the parking ticket, <laughs> is a big one. Um, taxes, like I have filed my taxes late in like a lot of times in the past. And so it's, it's not a huge fee, but it's a fee every time, right? Like every time I'm, if it's a week late, I pay, you know, a hundred dollar fee or whatever for that. And, um, some things are not as bad, but some things can be a lot worse, like health things. Like if you have something that's showing up 
where you need to go to the doctor. And especially if you live in a place where you don't have health insurance. And so there's an extra added cost to that. It's like, you'll keep putting that off because the task itself is overwhelming and it's maybe expensive. And then that can maybe lead to a lot more health issues down the line. Um, and like, I did that with the dentist. I didn't go to the dentist for like four years <laughs> straight because <laughs> I, yeah, I didn't have insurance. And I was like, I hated going to the dentist. It was overwhelming to like I moved to a new city. I had to like find a dentist. So like the thought of finding a dentist is so much. Um, yeah, moving to a new city is a big one. It took me, like, I still don't have a family doctor, um, like trying to find a doctor, a dentist, a hairdresser, all of these things like take so long and it's so overwhelming. So then all of those things of like taking care of myself just get pushed off until later. So yeah, there's yeah. a lot. <laughs> the big thing too is is time management or like breaking up your day where you're like, okay, I'm going to like, I'll have to think like, okay, I'm going to get a haircut. I should get it in the morning because if I get it at one, I'm not going to do the other things after that. Or like what, you know, it's, it's like really trying to figure out how to not, and then also being, how to not get overwhelmed. And then also being mad at yourself for getting overwhelmed, which I wonder if that's like part of the neurodivergent tax too is is like just spending the amount of time to which you're like why am I like this yeah and then you get paralyzed like the couch paralysis where you you can't make any decision because you're so overwhelmed with like the decisions that you need to make mm -hmm. so you can't decide if you should go get your hair cut at 9 a.m or 1 a.m or 1 p.m and then as a result you don't book the hair appointment for another week because right. you're thinking about it and you can't like decide so yeah there's a lot of instances like that or the returning thing is a big one, like you mentioned too. Like, I think if I have a big enough incentive, I will return something. But if it's like a low, lower cost item and there's not a specific reason why I need to return it, or it's not an amount that's going to affect my like monthly budget that much, then it will just sit by my door for yeah, so long. <laughs> and I'll keep looking at it being like, I should do that today. And then it just, it doesn't happen. So yeah, that's one. Or constantly losing stuff that you have to replace. Like yes. one of my friends, she's lost her AirPods like four times <gasps> and keeps buying new ones because she uses them like every day for work. But she has ADHD and I'm like, yeah, that's the ADHD tax. That's oh, a huge God. tax. Actually. Yeah, I wonder too yeah. sometimes about clumsiness for me. So like just so many times I'll, because I think like autism, you have trouble with space. So I'm just like, so I'm just like, well, I broke this cup. Or like, well, I, I somehow moved this and I kicked it and it's broken. And like, that's just, but then I beat myself up. I'm like, why can you not just hold a cup? Why? <laughs> like, it's just this thing where I think adds money adds so much shame. And then you're not, be, you're being spoken to as if, well, can't you just, why don't you just do, why don't you just file the form? Why don't you just you know, do the thing. And it's like, cause, cause the world is hard. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And it becomes like a, it feels like a mountain of a task. And I think that's like a big difference between like neurotypical folks and neurodivergent folks is neurotypical folks are, can be motivated by shoulds. Like I should go and return that item. I should start putting money away for retirement. I should file my taxes. And that's like enough to be like, okay, I'm going to go do it. But for a lot of neurodivergent people, the should can just make you feel worse and shame spiral. And it's not enough. Even if you really want to do something and you know you should, quote unquote, should do it, 
you, that's not enough to get you to actually go and do the thing because there's still so many like other little steps. Like it's just, yeah, it's, it's way more overwhelming it, it than it is for a lot of other people. Like it, it feels like a mountain instead of a little, a little hill. <laughs> so what is the neuro spicy money method? And how did you come up with that? <laughs> so that is my group program. It's a group coaching program for neurodivergent folks on how to manage their money. And yeah, I just I just thought it was a fun name. I, I came up with it like it, a lot of times my best ideas come in the middle of the night. Like I will just wake up and my brain will be wide awake and I'll just be like frantically writing in my notebook <laughs> for like two hours in the middle of the night. So that's where that idea came from. Yeah, it's just it's a really great program. It's like the fa- my most favorite program I've ever ran. And it's I love that it's a group program because everyone comes in thinking that they're the only ones that are like struggling with this and that something's like wrong with them. And then they realize so quickly that like every single person in that group is feeling basically the same thing and then has very similar stories and similar struggles. And so that's like a really great thing, I think, for everyone to kind of help with that shame. And then essentially, I there's a lot of work on like dismantling and unlearning a lot of the neurotypical expectations when it comes to money and then learning about what works for their brains. So we talk about like reward systems. We talk about the different types of motivation. It's all about like making things more fun, adding more dopamine into like their systems. And yeah, just like it, it's, it's, it's not like in terms of the actual money management stuff, like the here's how to save money or here's how to pay off debt. Like that is kind of across the board, similar, you know, uh, with a lot of finance creators, but what makes it different is like, we're going to approach it in a totally different way. And we're going to ignore all the things that people tell you that you should be doing and like do what actually is going to be sustainable for you. But on that note, also, I teach a lot about how for neurodivergent people, like systems usually expire and they're not, there's not going to be one system that's going to work well for you forever. And so that's like also part of the process is accepting that once you feel something start to stop working and like it's not exciting you anymore, like don't shame yourself and beat yourself up for it. Just like let it go and move on to the next one. And that can save you like a lot of financial hardship in between. Because I think a lot of it comes from like forcing yourself to try to do something that's worked for other people and feeling really bad when it's not. And so then you just kind of sit in shame for like six months until maybe something else piques your interest and you try that. But if you can just kind of let that go and move on to a different system right away, then that can save you like a lot of that kind of grieving period. Hey guys, Gabe Dunn here. I just wanted to let you guys know that I have a Patreon at patreon.com slash Gabe S. Dunn. And on that Patreon, I'm going to start doing live hangs with everyone who is a patron. So if you want to join the Patreon, you can get all these episodes ad-free, videos of our mailbag episodes, extra writing from me, blogs, fiction, other stuff, things that I'm thinking about with regards to money and personal stories, and also now live hangs with me on Zoom once a month. So join the Patreon. And if you're not a member of the Discord, hop on over to the Discord. That's free. The link will be in the description. It's so fun. So many of you guys talk over there. It's like truly popping off. Um, And if you're on the Discord, I would love to see you in the live hang so I get to put a face to a name. So yeah, please join patreon.com slash Gabe S. Dunn and come hang out with me. 
Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. You guys know that I have had allergies for forever. I've had seasonal allergies since I was a kid. It causes pressure in my face, under my eyes. They're my ultimate handbrake. When my nose is plugged up, I feel like I can't do anything. I can't enjoy food because I can't taste it. I can't work out because I feel tired and distracted. I can't even host the show because my voice sounds like a duck. And listen... I am already dealing with vocal strain from testosterone and my voice dropping. I don't need any more problems with allergies. Luckily, for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. I've been taking Claritin D for allergies like probably for the last 10 years or something. And it's been an absolute life changer. I can go outside without my eyes watering like a fountain. I can speak without feeling like a frog has jumped in my throat. I get really embarrassed when I'm sneezing all the time. I have like an itchy nose or throat, like ugh, like just the, the itchiness in the back of your sinuses is like so distracting and so annoying. And I get like pressure in my ears too. It's really painful. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies. It's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. I love to track progress. As you guys know from listening to this show, I'm constantly tracking my progress. What have we done so far in 2024? And spring is in full bloom. Are your finances blooming too? With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. And if your credit scores grow, so could your opportunities for lower rates on loans like for a car or a home. You can use it everywhere Visa Credit Cards are accepted. That's right, you can build your credit using your own money. Get paid up to two days early with direct deposit. With a qualifying direct deposit, you can get access to your money sooner. Fee-free overdraft with SpotMe. Overdraft up to $200 without fees with SpotMe when you set up a qualified direct deposit. Just set up a qualifying direct deposit, sign up for SpotMe, and Chime will spot you up to your limit when you make a credit card purchase or cash withdrawal that exceeds your balance. Access 60,000 plus fee-free ATMs. That's more than the top three national banks combined. Easily find one near you with the Chime app. Send and receive money. Use Chime to pay anyone, Chime members or not, and cash out your money fee-free. With Chime's secure credit card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started at Chime.com slash bad money. That's Chime.com slash bad money. Chime. Feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash disclosures for details. What qualifies as neurospicy? It's really just like anyone. I mean, it, it, I let people, I talk about what I teach and who it's kind of for. And I let people make their own conclusion, whether they feel like it's for them or not. And of course I can help talk them through it, but it's really like anyone who can, who falls under the neurodivergent umbrella. So it's mostly people with ADHD and autism that I end up coaching, but also people that, you know, have like, I am going to pronounce, I don't, 
I'm like mixing up the words right now, but it's the one where you people who struggle with math, it's like a D word. Oh, yeah. Not just Kalalia or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And dyslexia and those types of things. Yeah. And I also feel like there's a lot of people who maybe aren't sure if they have ADHD or maybe they don't at all. Maybe like they could just have a lot of trauma, like trauma can also manifest in similar ways. And so it's not it's not so specific. It's just like, if you feel like these methods that I'm talking about would work for you or seem helpful, you know, we'll see if it's a good fit. But yeah, it's it's mostly like majority is people with ADHD. And it's interesting where you're talking about that people need to come, need to jump to another method as soon as they sort of start to realize that one is is not working for them or they're losing interest. Because I think people get so wrapped up in like, well, then just join this, join this app and then you'll track your money. Or just, you know, now you found the thing. And so I find that really interesting and like actually like really good advice to be like, look, if this is starting to get cross your eyes and get your make you fall asleep there, maybe try a different thing or find a different thing or there's no shame in switching or looking at like another type of budget or another type of way to save money, because I do think most advice is, well, here's how you fix it. And there's like, you know, my boyfriend right now is also autistic and very interested in retiring early. And I can tell that that's becoming like a fun little hyper fixation for him. And I think he'll be able to do it. I I hope. I don't know. He seems really intent on it. But I'm like, yeah. And that's like, but if that's not your, you know, if that's if what if that's not your hyper fixation or you try to make it your hyper fixation or what you know, you're going to eventually run out, you know, like you'll eventually be like, well, now I like this other thing in my experience, have no control over what I am gravitating towards. So, you know, I think like not just dropping off, but actually coming up with, okay, I'm noticing that I'm not into this anymore. How do I get into this again? Or how do I start another program or another way of, oh, like this, you know, I'm doing the whatever debt plan. And then now I'm like, okay, this is boring. Maybe I should look into the envelope plan or I should look into the, like that kind of thing before. So it overlaps before it all just dies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I feel like with hyper fixations, it is like, for me too, it's like a switch. Like one day I love it. And the next day I never want to like look at it again. (laughs) Like this hobby's over. (laughs) So, yeah, I feel like there's a couple different things like you can do with your money, because obviously with finances, it's not as easy as like putting your crochet project away. Right. Like it's something that continues throughout your life that you you kind of want to have some sort of involvement in. So it could mean that you're doing a different system like you talked about. So you switch to an app or you switch to doing it via bullet journal or you introduce like a sticker chart or some sort of like reward system. Or it might mean that you also set up just like automated systems so that you actually don't have to like be involved with that anymore. Like with, you know, trying to retire early, you know, maybe when the interest goes away, it would just be like, okay, well, I still have this like, I don't know, $200 a month amount that's going in. So even though I'm not really interested in right now, I still know that like the baseline stuff is happening. Or it might mean that you take some of your other interests outside of finances and figure out how you can incorporate those into your money. So like if your hyperfixation switches to something else, is there any way that you can like somehow bring that hyperfixation into your finances in any way? 
And those would be like some of the things that I would try out to see if you can bring that interest back in some way. Maybe you could use it as like, oh, this is my new side hustle now. I'm obsessed with tiny homes or whatever. You know what I mean? I don't know. Try to I that's what I try to do. I try to be like, okay, how can I use this in some way, which is maybe easier for me as a writer because I'll get you know, fixated on disco, let's say, which was a a one that happened. And then I was like, now I'm just going to write about disco. And it's like, (laughs) for whom? You know, like nobody really like it wasn't for anyone, but it could have been. I would read that. I would totally read that. (laughs) Thank you so much. So uh, you mentioned this a little bit, but in terms of like community around this kind of thing, like, does it do they hold themselves or each other accountable through having talking to each other or seeing oh this other person because like there's so many things happening at once it's like the shame of the neurodivergence and the shame of the money and so it's so interesting that the program is like a group program is that sort of the reason for that yeah I've done like one-on-one coaching before and I've just found like the group program is so much more powerful and I feel like it's more helpful for the individuals as well because they do like they all come in nervous at the first call, right? And maybe they're not ready to like disclose a lot. But then as soon as people start opening up, you can just like see it on everyone's faces. And I I feel like we have, there's, I feel like there's someone crying in almost every call, like in a good way being like, I've never heard anyone else say this. And like, this is what I've struggled with for so long. And it's like really beautiful to see people opening up about it. And they'll often do stuff like on their own too. Like we have a group Slack channel, but they'll start planning little like Zoom dates where they can like body double and they'll do like body double co-working sessions like on their own, or they'll be like privately messaging each other on Slack and things like that. So like they kind of start doing additional things with each other. And I think that's really cool too. And yeah, a lot of them end up becoming like friends in the process. So I think the group program is just the best. Can you explain body doubling? Yeah. So body doubling is when you have somebody else in the room with you that is basically serving as it's like someone is kind of watching you or observing you, even if they're not like they could be doing anything. They could have their back to you. They're not even paying attention to you, but you are aware in your brain that someone else is there. And so it holds you more accountable to what you're doing. So when you're doing it like virtually, it could be like us right now, maybe you're working on your writing and, you know, I'm working on my writing or something and we're just on camera together or even without camera on, but you, it's the awareness that somebody else is there that can um, help you be more like productive and stick more to what you're trying to do and basically be less distracted. And I find like the same thing happens in a coffee shop. Like I get such good work done at a coffee shop because I will like not pick up my phone because I'm like, I need to appear productive in this coffee shop because everyone else is working. So I can't be that person like scrolling on my phone. So I'm just gonna, you know, do that. Yeah. I, or just like, you're like, well, I can't open up something ridiculous to look at because the person behind me at the coffee shop might see what I'm reading and, uh, and be like, what is this person's problem? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I saw another thing that you posted that was about energy plans. And this is maybe we touched on this a little bit with me saying, well, now I've gotten a haircut at 1 p.m. So my life is over. Does that is that what we're talking about? Like trying to plan how much energy, how much energy you're going to need for each thing? So energy plans are basically where you pre think out what a like low, medium and high energy 
day would look like for a specific like task or area of your life. So like a morning routine, you could have like a low, medium and high energy morning routine so that if you wake up in the morning and you realize, oh, it's a low energy day, like I'm not feeling good. You then aren't shaming yourself for not doing the like meditation and the journaling and making the big breakfast. Like your maybe your low energy is just like make a smoothie or like eat something, eat anything, you know, whatever you can. And that's like the morning routine. And maybe, or maybe it's like open a window, drink a glass of water, have an apple. <laughs> like, so it's very like low energy. And, and that kind of gives your brain permission to not shame yourself as much. Because I think what happens when we have this like expectation of what we're going to do, and I don't know if this happens for you, but for me, like I'll often get really excited about something and be like, oh, I'm going to do all these things. And like this week, I'm going to be so productive and get all this stuff done. And then that might just go out the window and it's unplanned. Like you might just have a a week where there's bees in your brain and you can't focus on anything. And so if you have a plan for those times, like if you have a workday low energy plan and you, it's a pre-made list, you have all these types of tasks that are low energy, instead of being like, oh, I wish I could be doing all these things. Like there goes my to-do list. Like now I feel like shit. You can look at your low energy plan and be like, okay, I still have all these things that I could do on this day. And so I'm just going to do that. And it's like, you kind of know that going into the day that you're going to assess what your energy level is like, and then pick a plan from there instead of like going into the day with the expectation that you're going to for sure have a high energy day. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Dot com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Yeah, I like to split things up. Like if I look and see, okay, so I have two meetings today. I'm not gonna also try to get my car door fixed like that. I'm going to try to do that at a different time on a day that looks a little bit more open or yeah, like, or trying to, I do tend to pile things in to one day because I'll go great. I'll do it all this day and it'll all be fine. And then on that day, I'm like, I didn't even leave like a half an hour to travel from my home to the place. Like, what was I thinking? So I, I definitely when you said energy plan, like on your Instagram, I was like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And also trying, I mean, when I also like when I realized that I was so because of the writer's strike, I'm going to lose my health insurance. And when I got the message about it, 
I like had other stuff to do that day, but I was like, oh man, I'm going to have to do this. So I just took the, I had the, it took the entire day for me to just like call and figure it out and look at the paperwork and all of that. And I was like, looked up at like 5 PM and I was like, well, this day was supposed to be something else, but something uh, unexpected occurred. And I was like feeling bad about that, but I was like, well, that's like, that's life. Like anything, I could have gotten anything in the mail. Someone could have died. Anything could have happened. So I don't know. It's, it's like not think it's being like, okay, well that was this whole day. And I don't know if that's just being kind to yourself or trying to space things out a bit more, but it is hard to think like, oh, other people are able to be so much more productive than me or do things faster than I am. But you just have to get over that because that's that's now adding more energy to worrying about that. I think a big part of it is like what you said, like where you mentioned how you plan out your days and maybe try to like if you have two calls one day, you plan the other thing for a different day. Like a big part of that is understanding what is going to be too much for you and like what situations might overstimulate you or kind of throw you off balance. Like knowing those things about yourself can be really helpful when making a schedule. And I also think like it's obviously way easier said than done, but like blocking out what other people are doing and how you see them working because it's so easy to be like, everyone else is so much more productive. Like look how much they're doing in a day. But then, you know, we can have those days where we're just like superhuman and we get like a ridiculous amount of stuff done in such a short period of time. So I think that overall it somewhat evens out, you know, like I'm sure we probably do get less work done, but I think it does even out in some way because we can do so much in such a short time. It's just, we can't plan for it. So the more that you're able to like allow yourself to have a bad day and not do a lot and not shame yourself for it. And instead like work on the things that you're able to do on those low energy days and then also capitalize on the high energy days. And yeah, like, you you know, moving those things around as you need to and like letting go of that expectation that like, Every day is not going to be productive. Definitely will not be. <laughs> yeah, I think also, you know, I was going to ask about the perception around ADHD because I remember when I was younger, I'm 35. It was like rambunctious little boys. And then, you know, my sister has ADHD and she's very productive. And I think like it was it was just, oh, she's when she was younger, it was like she she's badly behaved. She can't emotionally regulate. So they like put her on medication but in, now you don't see like I, it was interesting to see like more women realizing that there are different factors that go into uh, a diagnosis statistically or, or usually for women. And then also the reclaiming of it as like, oh, you're not just a rambunctious, you know, seven year old boy. There's all these other executive function things that are happening like have you seen there be kind of a a rise in pushback on the stereotypes of it or because I remember also like the the classic joke was like a squirrel you know what I mean like and like I feel like it's changed a lot yeah so there has been a lot of research that has come out that there's different types of ADHD so this is still kind of changing and evolving but currently there's the hyperactive type the inattentive type, and then the combined type. So hyperactive is more so what we are, I guess, used to hearing about with the rambunctious, you know, kid. But 
it can also show up in different ways. It doesn't just mean that you're like running around and can't pay attention in class. But then inattentive is more of like the daydreamer. Like, you know, people say like head in the clouds, like maybe not paying attention, having a harder time, like sinking into tasks and sinking into things. And then combined is where you experience both kind of at, at, at the same amount. So with, with both the hyperactive and the inattentive, you can still experience the other type, but it's just that hyperactive outweighs inattentive symptoms that you have and vice versa for inattentive. And then combined is like, you have kind of equal amounts of experience for both. So there's more research coming out about that. I do think there is more awareness, but I also think there's still a lot of misunderstanding. I actually, I recently was featured in a New York Times article and I was reading the comments and it's one of those things where you're, when you're in like a queer neurodivergent bubble, like <laughs> you forget who exists outside of it. Oh God, and so I'm I know. Yeah, I read these comments and it's all about like all these things about like big pharma and how this is like a fake thing that they manufactured to sell stimulants. And there's all these things about like, oh, you have, sh- you have problems managing your money. Like that's just an adult thing. Like just do it. And like so many people saying I have ADHD and I don't struggle with this. And it's like, uh, you know, so there was there was some positive ones, too, but a lot of negative. Comments. It's like the autism thing of like of like, oh, so many more people are getting diagnosed as autistic. Like there weren't that many autistic people back in the day. And then like there's like always these tweets that are like, oh, really? There weren't a lot of autistic people back in the day. Your dad's friend who was obsessed with trains. That guy was normal. Yeah. <laughs> like it's just like, yeah, very, you know, I think like it. it it, these I always find it very like a self own when someone's like, yeah, I have this problem and I don't have ADHD. And I'm like, my love, my sweet baby, do you think maybe you must have ADHD? Yes. Or you might struggle with these, this thing yeah. and it's just in a different way. Right. It's just not the same way. It's yeah. just so funny. It's like, well, I have all these traits. It's always like when the autistic person's parent and I'm not going to say of, of, but I've heard this from a lot of different friends is like, they'll be like, I'm autistic. And the parent will be like, no, I have this exact same thing and I'm not autistic. And it's like, curious, interesting. My mom did that with bipolar disorder. She was like, no, all the women in our family just have moods. And I was like, (laughs) ma'am, do you think that the genetic disorder could possibly? possibly. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's so funny. I was going to say, I'm like, I'm not officially diagnosed autistic, but I'm pretty positive that I am also autistic. And my dad is the poster child for autism, but is like, does not see it. Like, he's like, what? No. And I'm like, poster child, like you a hundred percent are autistic. Like, yeah. And it's, it's so funny. So it's like all of these people that are getting diagnosed now as adults, it's because their parents are also neurodivergent and their parents are like, oh, well I do this and my kid's doing that. So that's, you know, that's not, I do it. It's nothing to be concerned about, but they're undiagnosed. So then that's why way more people are getting diagnosed. It's because like there's more knowledge and research and people are looking into it. But yeah, I'm sure I could go down my family tree and see all of the neurodivergency for generations. Yeah, it's been really helpful with understanding certain people in my family because I used to think, why don't they care? And then I realized that the way that they were showing they cared was just in a way that was neurodivergent and I wasn't hearing it. And so it really like actually whether they want to admit that they have it or not, it's really helped my framing of why they do the things they do. Yeah, same for me. Yeah. And so it like has allowed me to see like, oh, they're showing that they love me. It's just not in the way that I'm told by television and and movies is uh, how they should show it as a parent. So then I'm like, oh, they do love me, obviously. Yeah. 
Yeah, just in their own way. Yeah. And like, that's great. And I could take that in and I can be like, cool. So I saw that that article. That was a really amazing article on you that I Paulette Perhatch did, who's like another really great money writer. And so what with that article, I guess, were you like, were you like, OK, this is going to be like a turning point? Like, what were the positive sort of comments about it? Yeah, I was really excited because I haven't seen hardly any articles like in big publications talking about the connection between ADHD and money. And I was so excited that it was Paulette because we're mutuals on social media and I know that she has ADHD herself. So that was like really big as well, because in the past when I've done like podcast interviews or articles, a lot of times the person interviewing me is neurotypical. And I mean, that's, that's still fine, but they don't understand it obviously in the same way. So yeah, I was really excited about it. And I think that overall the impact was positive and I think it outweighed the negative. There were a lot of comments that were talking about how they feel very seen and like this article was really important and really helpful. A lot of people also saying like, wow, I never thought about this before. And like, I have ADHD and this might be why this is hard for me or like, you know, things like that. I think a lot of people found it really validating. And there was another person featured in the article that they were talking about, like they're in a relationship and one of them had ADHD. And so there's also a lot of comments about that saying like, yeah, it is like really difficult, you know, being in a relationship with someone with ADHD when like maybe both of you don't understand it uh, fully and like the ways that it affects you. But I think what you mentioned about understanding your family more, that also is really helpful for people that just have someone in their life that has ADHD. And that helps just like really understand why they are the way they are and why they do things with money, being in a partnership. And maybe, maybe you have a partner that does a lot of impulse spending and you're frustrated because you're trying to like save up for something together. And it's like that understanding can really help approach with more compassion and like just awareness that it's not them like wanting to sabotage your relationship or not wanting to save for that thing that you agreed upon. It's like, there's something more going on with the way that their brain works. And it's just adjustments are needed in order to, you know, make it more doable for them. That's really beautiful and empathetic. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Where can people find you and more about you and watch your fun little videos that I think are so great? Yeah, so I'm on Instagram at Elise.Fulmore, which I'm sure I'll just put in the show notes or something. I don't need to spell it out. Um, And then my TikTok is queered.co and I have a book coming out in January, which is now available for pre-order and it's called Keeping Finance Personal. And it's all about how different aspects of who you are and your upbringing and your lived experience and your identities impact your money and how to like take those things into account when, when figuring out a plan for your money. So it's not a, here's five steps on how to get rich. It's like, here's how to make finances more personal for you and to make it, um, make it more, I don't want to say sustainable, but because for people with ADHD, it's not necessarily the best word, but I guess something that you feel like um, you can take with you and apply to any situation that comes up as you move forward in your life. So yeah, that's available for pre-order and you can find the links for that in my social medias as well. Thank you. Yeah, that's where to find me. (laughs) Yeah, I agree that it is a lot of like, look, I'm not here to make you rich. I'm just here to make sure you're not crying. (laughs) Yes, exactly. That's it. And cry yeah. if you need to, I guess. <laughs> yeah, you could cry. But I, yeah, I just don't want you to not feel shameful. Yeah. And to feel like you're the one 
like you understand yourself mm-hmm. and you're in control of the decisions you're making and you're not making decisions just because that's what you think you should be doing. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. This was amazing. Bad With Money with Gabe Shane Dunn is a production of Noted Bisexual, produced by Melissa D. Montz and Diamond M. Print Productions, edited by Diane King, post-production sound by Coco Lorenz, and music by Mike Kaplan, Zach Sherwin, and Jack Dolgen, as sung by Sam Barbera. Thank you. Love you. Bye. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.